1: Granger, for the ones who get it done. National Primary Day kind of has a nice ring to it. And if Woodrow Wilson had his way 97 years ago, America would add Primary Day to the list of unpaid holidays. In 1913, Wilson advocated a single presidential primary held across the nation everywhere in the U.S. on one day all 48 states at that time would vote in the same day. It was a popular issue. Primers were seen as a good reform to clear the ballot of the choices of the cigar smoking party bosses so vilified in the press and by the progressive movement at the time. President Wilson choosing progressive issues where he could to bolster his image saw this as a win-win-win. In one swoop, he could fire up progressives who were critical to the nation's politics at this time. They would be very useful in the 1914 midterms and his 1916 re-election coming up. Progressives were in both Republican and Democratic parties, probably slightly more Republicans. Wilson, as a fairly progressive Democrat, albeit a conservative one, was reaching into that Republican voting base. Also, as the incumbent president, Wilson was likely, if he wanted it, to win renomination. His two major rivals, the Speaker of the House, Champ Clark, and the Secretary of State, William Jennings Bryan, both had stated publicly the nomination was his if he wanted it fairly early on. So the primaries to Wilson were no real threat. In fact, and this is, of course, the third reason why it was a win for Wilson, primaries would block party bosses from blocking Wilson's renomination. And some of the party bosses, particularly the party bosses of his home state of New Jersey, didn't like Wilson very much. Primaries would limit their ability to do anything about him if it came to that. Chances for passage of National Primary Day in the Senate looked pretty good at first. The law had been supported by progressive Republican senators, like Senator George Norris of Nebraska. But it was never passed. And by 1915, primaries were even being ridiculed in some quarters. The New York Times saying that they did nothing more than put the same people in power... That had been put in power before the primary. William Howard Taft. The former president. Speaking about his successor. In October 1916. Attacked him. For proposing an unconstitutional way to elect the president. His comments seem strange now. Nowadays no one would question that a primary election. Is unconstitutional. No one would question that it's a good thing. After all people should have more and not less voice in politics and more and not less choice in picking a president. But former President Taft was echoing a widely held argument that because the Constitution set up the Electoral College's the way to pick a president, not the popular vote, but an Electoral College that would meet in each state, a primary which involved a popular vote was working around the Electoral College by limiting who the major parties would nominate and who therefore could compete in the Electoral College. The nomination of a substantial party, of course, being a requirement for 100% of presidential victories in American history then and still so far now. Despite the failure of Wilson's National Primary Day. Many state legislatures got busy between 1913 and 1915, and with good reason. The 1912 election, where Theodore Roosevelt was fairly popular among Republican voters and had won in the Republican primaries held in that year, but where Taft, manipulating the politics of the Republican Convention, and gaining the support of the important party leaders and bosses, if not Republican primary voters, won the nomination. This was an aberration of many Republicans. Vermont, New Jersey, New York, and yes, New Hampshire, were among the states, after seeing the debacle in 1912, attempted to fix the primary system by adding primaries, for 1916 so that they could have more influence on the choice of the president it made little difference by the time many primaries were held in 1916 neither candidate that would end up running had actually declared wilson kept quiet he did not officially declare for reelection. charles evan hughes refused to allow his name to be used as a candidate as late as May of 1960, even though he had many supporters. He called any assertion that he was running for president an unfounded rumor. Running for president just didn't have the prestige that it has now. When Theodore Roosevelt told a reporter that he would allow his name to be used as a candidate in the New York primary, therefore announcing as a candidate in effect... Almost everyone saw it as a political disaster. There were Republicans who were opposed to Theodore Roosevelt in 1916. You have to remember, he had just, four years earlier, wrecked the GOP party and virtually elected Wilson by splitting it. So the anti-Roosevelt factions in the Republican party moved to consolidate behind one candidate. And it seemed that the moderate Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, Charles Evan Hughes, was the best candidate. Had Theodore Roosevelt left the field open, it was scattered among many, Root, Norris, among others. He might have been able to split the vote and win. But announcing as a real candidate, the nerve of him, many felt in those days, he was toast. Charles Evan Hughes, the choice of the Republican bosses, won the 1916 primary in the big states of New York and Massachusetts, one of the few states that were actually contested in that year. In most cases, favorite son candidates, candidates from states running in their home states in order to dampen votes from other candidates, blocked the action in most of the states. Despite the abracadabra, ...of the direct primary that wooed reformers, as the skeptical New York Times put it. The results were the same, and the political bosses and hacks were not routed. In 2005, the acting governor of New Jersey, Richard Cody, signed a bill... ...moving New Jersey's primary to February 5th, the super-duper Tuesday. They would be one of many states making such a move, but New Jersey was one of the more dramatic moves since the Garden State always voted in June, the end of the process. Now we will have a say, said Cody. It had been at least since the 1984 Democratic primary between Mondale and Harton, and possibly really between, uh, since the 1980 Democratic primary between Kennedy and Carter, where Kennedy won the state of New Jersey, that New Jersey had influence on the Democratic side and it had certainly been since 1976 where Ronald Reagan was battling with incumbent president Gerald Ford that New Jersey had any influence on the Republican side. New Jersey created an additional primary on its calendar on February 5th and kept its June primary so that the presidential primary would not influence things down ticket that people would not be running for the state house or for a local municipal and county elections as the Obama candidate or the Hillary candidate. This way of doing things, however, cost the states and municipalities $10 million. But in 2008, the way things worked out, instead of giving New Jersey more influence, it actually gave New Jersey and many other states a lot less. Super Tuesday, as it turned out, was a melee. What happened on that day was what happened in many cases when primaries reached a zenith in 1916. Candidates who were losing in a state had no chance of winning it, simply conceded it. And so the states were split up. Hillary won big states. Obama won small, especially caucus states or states with high African-American voter populations. New Jersey got a few visits, but nothing spectacular. McCain easily won, as did Hillary Clinton.
0: So turn to the nerds to answer your real world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The states who moved up their primary to super duper Tuesday either got ignored because they were being taken for granted or ignored because the candidate felt they had no chance. Had New Jersey moved its primary to say to just three days later, February 8th for instance, it would have been a superstar. There would have been a tremendous focus on the states as candidates reeling from the stalemate that was Super Duper Tuesday. As the Obama and Clinton campaigns reeling from the stalemate that was Super Tuesday sought another state to give them a little momentum. Each of the states that followed Super Duper Tuesday having not expected to play any role at all, got real attention as the months wore on. The randomness of the schedule, as it happened to occur, ended up helping Barack Obama secure the nomination of his party. After winning the Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. primary, there was a large gap in the schedule. Nothing till the end of April. Almost a month where Obama was... If only slightly, considered the winner and the front runner. It was a gap that the Clinton campaign dubbed the killing fields. By the time Hillary Clinton won Pennsylvania, it was a boost to her, but it did not end Obama's campaign certainly, the amount of fundraising he was doing, or the slight perception that he was the closest thing to a front runner. Clinton and Obama would then trade states for the rest of the election. Up until the very end with the primaries in Puerto Rico, Montana, and South Dakota on the very last day becoming important. A very different result than most anticipated. No one expected to still be looking at the Obama-Clinton race in June. On the Republican side, the front-loading of the primaries did have the effect of nominating John McCain early on. Though it could be possible that some of this is due to the collapse of the campaign of Rudolph Giuliani, who had, in what is probably seen universally as a political mistake, stayed out of the Iowa and New Hampshire primaries and waited until Florida, losing crucial momentum, crucial dollars, crucial support and media attention, losing Florida, and then having to step out of the race. In either case, whether in the Democratic or Republican primary, States did not gain much by moving their primary to super duper Tuesday. So, what will happen in 2012? It's hard to say. Already legislation has been introduced in New Jersey to move back to the old date, though there isn't much support yet. Will this happen a lot? Will states start to now move back in order to have possibly more influence? where previously front-loading, trying to get an earlier and earlier primary date, was seen as a good thing for states, will backloading now be seen as a good? So that if the contest is decided, not decided early, your state will have more influence down the line. Because Woodrow Wilson's efforts failed in 1913, there is no federal or national answer to this question. Parties as national entities can act, but as we saw in the case of Florida and Michigan, state legislatures can still defy them, override their wishes, and have primaries earlier than what they plan, and figure that they won't enforce the penalty when it really comes down to it, which was half true in, in both parties, because Florida and Michigan's delegates only counted halfway in both the Republican and Democratic nominations. So primary timing is a state decision, state by state, and thus, as can be the case in any group of individual decisions, it is subject to a herd mentality effect. Everyone wants to be first, or perhaps last, and there could be a stampede in either direction. Changes have been proposed to make the system more representative, to give more areas of the country and more states a chance to influence the choice of the nation's leader. The Delaware plan, which calls for small states first, big states with big votes later. So instead of having uh, the little Iowa and New Hampshire primaries, which are mostly campaigned in for momentum and media attention, followed by a crescendo of delegates all at once, In a big super-duper Tuesday, you might have, say, Iowa, New Hampshire, Delaware, Puerto Rico, North Dakota, South Dakota, Mississippi, Arkansas. Small states where candidates can have time to battle in and uh, get out and meet voters, etc. Then later in the schedule come the big states. So you can't get enough delegates in the small states to only concentrate on them. But you can get momentum there. So everybody wins in theory because the small states get attention because of their placement on the calendar. And the big states get attention because they've got the votes that will actually win the nomination. I'm not sure I completely agree with the Delaware plan. Or, or, and I certainly don't see a scenario where it could actually happen. But I do think that some informal spreading of the calendar a little bit better. So each state has its chance to sign would help. There shouldn't be one-month gaps in the calendar. Woodrow Wilson's idea of a national primary came as close as it will ever come to being enacted, in my opinion, on February 5, 2008. I think at least a few states will move away from that date in 2012 because of the results of what happened this year. And that we won't see that type of massive front loading on one day again. The idea of a National Primary Day came as close as it was going to be, uh, as close as it was going to come to being executed on February 5th, 2008. With history beating up politics, I'm Bruce Carlson.
0: We all know how important it is to keep your eye on the money, and not just your own. Stay on top of the latest financial and market news with Yahoo Finance a podcast that releases new episodes almost every day. You'll hear a brief overview of the biggest news in the financial world, all in three minutes or less, right after markets close. Check out Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts. That's Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts.